And perhaps you've been coming to church for many years. But you've forgotten that, that being a Christian means daily, constant turning from the old life, turning from the world, fleeing from it, and daily turning to Jesus. Revelation chapter 18 explains why fleeing from the old life, fleeing from the world, is integral to the Christian life. You are not a Christian if you believe in Jesus Christ, but are not turning from the world and turning from your old life. The two must, must come together. And we're going to see why today from Revelation chapter 18. Revelation 18 teaches us why we must be fleeing from the world by talking about a city. And it talks about a city called Babylon. And in the ancient world, Babylon was the capital of the, the Babylonian Empire. And it was a very advanced city, a very advanced culture, advanced in mathematics and astronomy, and they could predict eclipses with remarkable accuracy centuries in, in advance. And so here was a people, here was a city of, of great achievement. And yet the city of Babylon was as greedy and as godless and as cruel as any Western city today. In the book of Revelation, Babylon is a symbol of all that stands against God. And so what we see in our passage this morning is that there are two distinct kinds of people. Revelation 18 teaches us that there are two distinct kinds of people. There are those who are not Christians, who are in Babylon, and who are happy to be in Babylon. And there are those who are in Jesus Christ, who are fleeing from Babylon, running from Babylon. And Revelation chapter 18 teaches us and tells us, Look at Babylon. Look at this, this symbol of, of godlessness and all that stands against God and Christ. Look at Babylon and see why it is that you must be fleeing from it. That the Christian life is one of, of daily running from that city, fleeing from that city. And we see from Revelation 18 that we must flee Babylon because Babylon, first of all, is insane it's a city of madness. Secondly, we must flee Babylon because it is a plagued city. And thirdly, we must flee Babylon because Babylon must be finally destroyed. So the Christian life is one not just of believing in Christ. It is the life of fleeing Babylon. And if you're not convinced that you need to be fleeing from Babylon, then you need to listen to what the Word of God is saying to you this morning and what it is teaching about Babylon and the future of Babylon. And you will see why it is that you must be running from it and that why running from Babylon is absolutely integral 
to the Christian life. First of all, we are taught that we must flee Babylon because Babylon is, is insane. Look there at verses 1 to 3. After this, I saw a might, another angel coming down from heaven, and he had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. And with a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the great! She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Now, Babylonian law demanded strict punishment for rape and for adultery. But despite the law, adultery was as commonly accepted in the city of Babylon as it is in our own cities. And Babylon's sexual adultery echoed its spiritual adultery that this was a city that had turned from its rightful husband, from the God who made us and the God who loves us and the God who showers down upon us every day, sun and rain and family and friends and work and art and music and all these wonderful things that Babylon had turned from its true husband, the living God, and had pursued a false, a false gods. Babylon had been spiritually unfaithful, spiritually adulterous. And just as, well, well what, what Revelation 18 does, in fact, is that it likens adultery, sexual adultery, to the drinking of the wine of madness. That, that's what it is literally. Sexual adultery is, is, is like drinking the wine of fury or the wine of madness in that just like wine which, which promises pleasure but, but then it gets a hold of you and what brings pleasure just brings pain in the same way sexual adultery promises pleasure but brings untold pain on the family and even on the community, the wider community. And that's why it's described here as a madness, the wine of madness. And spiritual adultery is no less drinking the wine of fury and the wine of madness. It's no less insane to turn from the true and living God who made us and who loves us to false gods in spiritual adultery. It may promise pleasure, turning from the living God and turning to false gods and turning to autonomy. And now I can live however I like. It promises pleasure. It brings only pain. 
and distress and emptiness and harm to yourself and to those around you. I'm sure there are people in this room who know, who know this from personal experience, who thought that, that, that turning from, from Christ and giving up their Christian faith would bring a sense of relief and happiness, and now I can live however I want, and I don't have to think about everything, whether I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing. You thought it was going to bring you pleasure and freedom, and you discovered it was just all dust and ashes, and the pleasures of the world bring only pain. And many in this room know exactly what it's talking about here, the pain of spiritual adultery, turning from the living God to false God, promises pleasure, it brings only devastation. And so here's the first reason why the Christian must be fleeing from Babylon, because Babylon, it's insane in there. It's a city of madness. It promises pleasure, brings only pain. It's the city of the maddening wine of spiritual adultery. Flee that city, says the word of God. Secondly, flee Babylon because it's a plagued city. It's a city under judgment. Look there at at verses 4 to 7. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. At the start of this, this very strange and disturbing year, there were those awful bushfires. They're almost like a distant memory now, aren't they, those bushfires? With the, the life of COVID having come in between. But there were those, those terrible fires, and, and more than 3,000 homes were destroyed, 17 million hectares of bushland, and all the, the, the native animals in the bushland destroyed. And, and we understand that, that the firefighters would, would go to people's houses and, and the flames, they knew the flames were coming. And they'd go to people's houses and they'd say, you, you need to leave. You need to leave now. Don't, don't, don't pause. Don't go inside for your precious possessions. Just get in your car and drive now. And there were people who didn't. 24 people perished in those fires. They didn't flee. They got stuck. They got caught. I'm reminded of the angels who came to Lot in the city of Sodom in Genesis 19. Remember that story? What did the angels say to Lot? God's judgment is coming upon the city. Leave now. 
Go now. Don't pause. Don't look back. We're going to destroy this place. And Lot went to his sons-in-law. We read in Genesis 19. And he said, hurry and get out of this place. The Lord's going to destroy this place. And how did his sons-in-law respond? They said, he must be joking. They thought he was joking. And they didn't flee. And they perished under the terrible judgment of God. You see, when you're living in Babylon, you don't think it's ever going to end. It's always been like this. It always will be like this. Judgment of God isn't really going to come. It's a joke. Look there at verse 7 again. In her heart, she boasts. I sit enthroned as queen. I'm not a widow. I'll never mourn. People in Babylon don't take the warning seriously. The warnings fall on deaf ears. They don't want to change. They don't want to do anything different. They don't think anything's going to be any different. In verse 8, therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. This is the logic of people who, who live in Babylon. The Lord hasn't judged me, so he's not going to judge me. That's the logic of Babylon. Or, I don't want to be condemned for my sin, so I'm not going to be. It's the logic of Babylon. Or, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this, this God of justice and righteousness who will bring final judgment on sin. Therefore, I won't be judged for sin. That's the logic of Babylon. And so people don't flee. They sit tight. Nothing's ever been any different. Nothing will be any, any, any different. Brothers and sisters, can you see that becoming a Christian means not just believing in the beautiful Saviour, but it means fleeing from Babylon. It means taking the warning seriously. It means fleeing that awful city of godlessness and autonomy and sexual autonomy and greed, selfishness. It means fleeing that city and daily fleeing from that city. And then we see many who do see the plagues. Uh, the, the people in the city don't seem to be seeing it, but there are many who do see it. We see that the kings of the earth cry woe for the destruction of Babylon. We see that in verses 9 and 10. And then the merchants cry woe. Now, now, now this word woe, it's a cry of, of desolation. It's a cry of pain. It, 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 it's the cry of someone who discovers that their, their, their child has been killed. Or their, their wife or their husband. It, it, it's that inner 
cry of, of, of desolation and pain that comes out from a deep place of grief. And the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth see Babylon. Whoa! How awful what is, what is going to come on the city. And the merchants cry, whoa! Those who grew rich from Babylon. And there's that list of all the, the beautiful things of Babylon. The gold, the silver, the precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk and scarlet cloth and so on. All, all the beautiful things. You see, Babylon was a rich city. It was a wealthy city. It was like so many of our cities, our western cities. Unbelievably rich. All the best that creation had to offer was to be found in the city of Babylon. Now, there's not a problem with enjoying the good things that God has given us to enjoy. God's given this, this world beautiful things to enjoy. The, the, the gold and the silver and the, the beautiful cloths, and the things described here, and music and art and nature and the sun, and Mount Wellington covered with snow. All these beautiful things that delight the eyes and fill the heart with joy. We're meant to enjoy these things. But the problem with the Babylonian is that they take the gift, thank you, and forget the giver. Thanks for that. And now let me keep worshipping Marduk and Ishtar and the foul gods of Babylon that, that let me do all the things that I really want to do. Picture the, the wife who gives her husband a, a brand new iPad, the latest model. I, I've lost track of these things and... Someone will tell me later what the latest one's called. So, how did I do it? Was it the husband to the wife or the wife to the husband? It doesn't really matter. So, the, let, let's say a wife gives her husband the latest iPad. Thank you. It's a lovely gift. And an iPad apparently can be a useful device. Apparently, it can be quite helpful. And the husband takes it. But then... He's not just looking at it for an hour a day. Now it's three hours a day. Now it's four hours a day. And he becomes obsessed with it. And he can hardly tear his eyes from it. And, and it's like his whole life is, is staring at this blasted screen. And you can imagine the wife's frustration, right? It was a gift. It was a love gift. And you've forgotten the giver. You're so obsessed with the gift that you've forgotten the giver. And this was Babylon, all the good things that God had given, taken, and then God who? The merchants will mourn that they had ignored the giver for his gifts. And this third group, the ship's captains, who moved the great merchants' wares from city to city across the seas, earning vast riches, will cry, woe for the destruction of Babylon. 
So, brothers and sisters, two reasons so far why the Christian life is not just believing in Jesus, but is fleeing from Babylon, because Babylon is a city of madness, insanity, insane, spiritual adultery. And this is a city that has been plagued, plagued by the judgments of God and the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth and the sea captains can all see it. We need to see it too. Thirdly, flee Babylon because it will finally be destroyed. Look there at verse 21. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists, musicians, pipers and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, of all who had been slaughtered on the earth. You see, when you're living in Babylon, you can't imagine that it will ever be destroyed. And we've seen that already. And what we see here is that all the good things that Babylon had received, all the good things, all the good things that a loving God had, had given Babylon, music and work and trade and bread and grain and light and, and sex and marriage, all these good things, instead of thanking God for these things, the Babylonians have put them in the place of God. And we're treasuring the gift and have forgotten the giver. And what this passage here is teaching us, verses 21 to 24, is that because Babylon had taken the gifts of God and had put them in the place of God, they would lose those gifts altogether. They would lose, the, the music, which is a good gift from God, would be silenced. And, and bread and the grinding of grain and making bread, a good gift from God, would be taken away. And marriage, which is another good gift of God, no more marriage celebrations. All the good things that God had given, which we had put in God's place, would be taken away. The city of Pripyat in the northern Ukraine. It was a city of 50,000 people. And there were homes and there was a cinema, swimming pools, schools, gyms, and even a, an amusement park with a beautiful Ferris wheel. 
with yellow gondolas. Pripyat was a happy city. It had everything. Families loved living there. And then there was that terrible explosion, and many of us can remember that, can't we, in 1986, that terrible explosion at the Chernobyl nuclear reactor just on the side of Pripyat. And there was that nuclear disaster, and 50,000 people had to leave instantly. And, and today, you can go to that city. In fact, it's a bit of a tourist attraction. You can go to Pripyat, and you can see the, the hundreds of homes. You can see the cinema. You can see the, the swimming pools that once were. And all of it abandoned and empty. The schools, no more children there laughing and playing, learning. The, the theatres are empty. The swimming pools are dry. And that Ferris wheel is still and as quiet as the grave. A city abandoned. A city that's, that, that, that is now a ghost city. Now don't weep for Pripyat. Weep for the people who lost the enjoyment of that city. And, and, and that's what we read here in Revelation 18. A city now abandoned. What it's saying here is the city that, that people refuse to leave, it will become a ghost city. God will take away all the good gifts that he gave, which we put in his place. Flee that city which is going to be finally destroyed. I want to finish with two things. Two responses, two ways we should respond to Revelation chapter 18. First, as Christians, we should be rejoicing that, that God intends to put a final end to sin and rebellion on this, on this earth. And we're going to see this in, in wonderful detail when we get to Revelation 21 and 22. We're going to learn about the new heaven and the new earth. And I, I'm looking forward to getting to those chapters, Revelation 21 and 22. And there we're going to learn that God is going to make, remake this earth, a, new, a renewed heaven, a renewed earth. And there's going to be no more sin. No more turning from God. No more idols. No more dishonouring God's name. No more dishonouring our parents. No more murder and hate. No more adultery and unfaithfulness. No more stealing and greed. No more lying. No more discontent and ungratefulness. It's, it's going to be one of the greatest things about the new heaven and the new earth is that there's going to be no more sin and, and all the terrible effects of sin and the sadness that it brings and the desolation and the depression and, and, and that black cloud that sin brings over our lives. We've blown away. 
No more sin in the new heaven and the new earth. There's one thing, this is something to rejoice about in, in Revelation chapter 18, that this is God's certain plan that that sin which hurts and destroys and spoils and causes so much misery will be finally destroyed and removed. And we're going to see that in fine detail, wonderful detail in Revelation 21 and 22. That's one response to Revelation chapter 18. Let's rejoice that God is going to deal with sin. And we won't be going on in our sin in the new heaven and the new earth. We'll be finally freed from it. But the second response, and it's right there in the heart of the passage, is this. Look at Babylon. Look at it. And hear the command of God, come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people, says the living God. Come out of this, this, this world without God that, that takes the good gifts of God and forgets the giver and makes idols of these things. Come out of her, my people. See, if you're thinking about becoming a Christian and you know enough by now to know that that being a Christian is believing in God's Son, Jesus Christ, the Saviour, and believing in Him means not just knowing about Him, but it means trusting in Him and taking hold of Him as your Saviour. But we can't do that unless we are fleeing from the old life. Becoming a Christian is not just adding Jesus to your old life. It's not just going on with your old life and now I have the the joy of knowing Jesus as well. That's not Christianity. Remember Mark's description of Jesus preaching in Mark chapter 1 verse 15. The kingdom of God is at hand, said Jesus. And how are we to respond? Repent and believe the good news. Two things. Turning from the old, fleeing from Babylon, and believing the good news, trusting in Jesus. And what we all need to hear, whether you've been a Christian for one month or 50 years is that the Christian life is a life of ongoing repentance, ongoing fleeing from Babylon and turning our back on it and fleeing that, that insane city, the city that has been plagued, the city that is under the certain destruction of God. Fleeing adultery sexual immorality, pornography, greed, putting God's gifts in the place of God, fleeing these things. I want to finish by making it very clear what it means to flee. 
Let's be very clear what it means to flee. Fleeing Babylon, it means grieving for sin. It means sackcloth and ashes, grief for our sin and, and, and our rebellion and the way we didn't love God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength and didn't love our neighbour as ourselves. It means grief. But it doesn't stop there. Judas felt bad for betraying Christ. But it goes beyond, you see, repentance goes beyond grief. It's also confessing your sin, our sin against God and our sin against our neighbour. It means coming to God and, and, and telling him and confessing our sin and laying it all before him and saying, God, here is my sin and I plead with you to forgive me for it. But it's not just confessing and grieving for sin, it's also repairing the damage that your sin has done wherever possible. Who's, who's a wonderful example of that? Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus, who, who didn't just say, hooray, now I've got Jesus in my life. But he said, all the damage that I've done in the past, I, I, I want to try to undo that. To the best of my ability, as much as I can, I want to try to undo that. And I'll repay all that I have, all the people that I've stolen from. Pay them four times over. But it's not just that either. It's not just grieving, confessing, repairing. It's also abandoning your sin. Abandoning the old way of looking at things and the old way of doing things. In fact, the Greek word for repentance, metanoia, it means literally to, to change the mind, to look, to have a new attitude. And that's what fleeing Babylon means. It, it means having a new attitude towards the things that we once did, the things that are hateful to God. But finally, repentance, which is grieving for sin, confessing our sin, repairing the damage of our sin where possible, abandoning that old way of looking at things. Finally, it means doing whatever we need to do to prevent ourselves from re-falling into sin. And that's why our Lord Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Now, built into what Jesus said is the understanding that he didn't mean it literally. Because if you've got a problem with your eyes, gouging out your right eye doesn't really solve the problem. There's still a left eye. If your, your hands are causing you a problem, cutting off the right hand, you're still built into the way Jesus said that was the understanding that he didn't mean it literally, but he was speaking as a Jewish rabbi and he was putting things as forcefully as possible. You need to do whatever it takes, he said. Whatever it takes so that you don't go back to Babylon, that you don't go back to the ways of Babylon. Whatever it takes, do it. 
You see, if you're serious about leaving Babylon, you don't leave the door open to Babylon. You don't keep one foot in Babylon. You don't leave the things of Babylon lying around you. And I've used this example before and I need to use it again. But if you've got a problem with pornography and you're not dealing with the tools of pornography, like your laptop or your smartphone or whatever it is that you're using to look at it, if you're, oh, I hate my pornography, I hate it, I confess it, I grieve for it, I don't want it anymore, but you, you, you keep hold of the tool. You're disobeying Christ. He said, cut off the right hand. Gouge out the right eye. Do whatever it takes. So flee Babylon and leave the tools of Babylon behind. Oh, but I can't live without my laptop. Well, I can't live. It's hard to live without a right hand as well, isn't it? And a right eye. But people will see that I've got ridden, rid of my laptop and I'll be humiliated by that. Well, people see when you've lost your right eye and your right hand as well. Jesus is saying, do whatever agonising, debilitating, humiliating thing you need to do to leave Babylon behind. That's repentance. And this is not the added extra to the Christian life. It's integral to Christian life and faith. Faith in Jesus and fleeing from Babylon. Come out of her, my people. This is not a this is not a call of anger, it's a call of love. It's our Heavenly Father in love calling us. Come out of Babylon. Come out of her, my people. Come to my son. Leave Babylon behind. It's insane. It's plagued. Its end is final. Come out of her, my people. Let's pray. Father, this morning we've heard your, your urgent and loving call to flee from the city of Babylon. And Lord, I, I pray that you'll show each one of us what that means in practice. And I pray that we'll be a repentant church. I pray that we'll be a church that is running from that city and running to the Saviour in love and joy. And I pray for those who are thinking about becoming a Christian, I pray that they will weigh the cost and that they will see clearly what it is that they must leave behind. And I pray for the rest of us who've called ourselves Christians for years or decades, that if we have not been fleeing from Babylon, that we will flee it today. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.